Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Ten Jewish males were needed in order for a synagogue to be built. They had not built a synagogue because there weren't enough Jewish men in the city. So Paul understands this situation. Watch what he does. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. The fact that the synagogue was primarily female did not bother Paul. It didn't bother Silas. God used ladies to get it done then, and he uses ladies to get it done now. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. Now, in this time in history, it was absolutely radical, borderline impolite to give such attention uh, to a woman and memorialize her in this way like this in writing. It was was a huge deal. But the gospel was different. And this lady was special. This lady, Lydia, would actually become the first convert of all of Europe. But then it goes on to describe, again, this is not just a conversation. Luke writes this down. This is putting in writing. You just did not write this way in this time. This was breaking all the norms. And it says, she was a seller of purple, a business woman, and no ordinary business, by the way. Um, purple here, was, it came from the, the, the Murox shell, or it's a snail that kind of lived in that shell, and they would take the mucus from the snail, and they would use it to dye clothes. And the mucus or the purple from this uh, particular uh, shell was, was actually comparable to gold in value. I mean, this was Louis Vuitton. This was uh, uh, Fee Noel. This was Gucci. This, this was Prada. I don't even know this stuff. It's stuff. I mean, you know, it, this was top end stuff that this woman sold and, and made happen. So just again, we're in a different world now. Purple was a status figure. In the ancient world, when you saw someone coming towards you, you immediately knew their status in life. You knew it by the way they dressed. So uh, clothing was super, super, super important in this time. So uh, again, purple was a status status. So when you saw someone dressed in purple, it, it meant that they were very rich and very, very powerful. The Bible says the Lord opened her heart. So when the Lord opened this woman's heart to God, Europe was opened up. And ladies have always played a major role in the destiny of our world. But watch this. He said, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Now, I may do the speaking each week, but it's ultimately the Lord that opens your ears to hear and understand what the word is saying. And when she and her husband or household, forgive me, were baptized, so we can miss this. This woman was a go-getter. She, she, she went back to her house and then won everybody in her house to her Lord. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, now she's now making an appeal to Paul. If you have judged me, this is a very forceful appeal, by the way, to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. 
Because of this woman's appeal, Lydia's house would become the headquarters of God's movement in Europe. Lydia's home, this very, very large home, by the way, and this is important, God has a plan for the rich and the poor. God is not a respecter of persons. And when we look at the Bible carefully, we see very wealthy people, also very poor people being used of God. But her house became the, 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 the place or home to the first congregation in Europe. But watch what Paul says. So she what persuaded us. Meaning this was not something that Paul really wanted to do initially. This was not part of his planning. But obviously, this, this woman was, was very influential. She probably even heard from God. And she was willing to do what it took to convince those in leadership here to move in this direction. So she what? Persuaded us. She wasn't demure. She wasn't shy. This woman was a literal rainmaker. And she understood how to make things Happen. Skip to verse 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them. Although Paul and Silas and his whole team were clearly moving under the direction of the Holy Spirit, everyone was not happy. How many know you're never going to make everybody happy? And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with sticks or, or rods, which are basically a whole bunch of sticks wrapped around each other. And, and Paul and Silas are about to get the beat down of a lifetime. This was serious stuff. Once you got beat with these sticks, you never walked the same. Your body was mangled. You, you, it was a whole different thing. Sometimes they'd even just beat the bottom of your feet so you would be paralyzed for life. So this was a very, very serious Beating And all this, this happened just because a few verses early, he just, all he did was, was, was set a girl free. He just cast a demon out of a fortune-telling girl. How many of y'all remember that, that narrative? Okay. And when they had laid many, not just a few, when they had laid many stripes on them, and sometimes doing the right thing will still get you in trouble. Even though it's right, everybody's not always going to be happen, happy, but God never abandons his own. Then they threw them. All he did was help a little girl. All he did was follow the voice of the Lord through Asia to Europe. They threw him into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Here's the question. Didn't God give Paul a vision of the man of Macedonia crying for help? Didn't God guide them to Macedonia's? Well, what do you do when your vision becomes a nightmare? What do you do when your marriage, your job, your children, your health, the situations in your life become your nightmare? Watch this. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison as if beating wasn't enough. He then fastened their feet in the Stocks, boards with holes that would stretch your legs as far as possible. It's very, very painful to have your feet put into these stocks. And then when your muscles would invariably cramp, because you were in these stocks and you were chained, you couldn't move or reposition yourself for relief. 
So the torture wasn't necessarily coming from the outside anymore. It was your own body uh, cramping up and, and resisting the situation that it was placed in. Anyone in this room other than myself ever feel overextended? Anyone in this room ever feel stretched to the point that you are cramping up? You're in a situation where there is no natural relief? And not only does stuff happen from the outside, on the inside, everything is crying out. I got to get out of this situation. Everything on the inside is nodding up. And you're trying to make it through the will of God. The next verse is key. You've heard me preach on this many times. We're going to see some things we've not seen before. But at midnight, stretched beyond their breaking point, chained in a cold, damp, insect, rat infested with no toilet, no ventilation. But at midnight, Paul And Silas cried, Lord, why me? God, this is not fair. God, I was doing your will. Lord, I must have made a mistake. No. They were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, what caused these men to get the result they're about to get? And why don't we sometimes see the same results in our day? Is it because God has changed over the last 2,000 years? Or is it that we have changed? What you do at midnight is going to determine whether or not you get out of the situation you're currently in. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Midnight comes for everybody. The problem is everybody doesn't reach for God the way these men did in their midnight hour. But at midnight, what do you do at your midnight? But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing, bodies bruised. Legs cramping. Minds saying, this makes no sense. All I was trying to do was help a little girl out on, on, on the way, and, and I end up in, in this prison. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. It's important. God wasn't about to do what he did for these men because they were smarter, because they were more talented or because they were closer to the time of Jesus. He freed them. It's important. Because you will never walk with God further than the boundaries of your praise. And that place where you stop praising him, that unfair situation, that undeserved situation, you hear what I'm saying? That hurting and bruised situation, the moment... You say, Lord, I'm going to look away. 
is the moment you have just forsook your salvation. You hear what I'm saying? At midnight, it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. Corrupt people had done corrupt things. But in the midst of it, they, 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 they prayed and they worshiped and sung hymns to their God. And my question to you is, what happened to your song? What happened to your song? Your song is your only way out. At midnight, everything hurt. Didn't make it. I thought you were good, God. You know, we, we sing song, good, good father. Daddy, how? What did I do wrong to deserve this? My body may never recover. I will never look the same. I may never walk the same. And by the way, these guys hadn't read the narrative. James had already been martyred. Stephen had been martyred. Many people in these circumstances had died. There was nothing in Paul and Silas's mind that said, you know what, I might go just like James went. Despite the fact that this is, you know, not just a fairy tale, this was real, it happened to real folks in the middle of it at midnight. They prayed and sang hymns to God. So here's my question. What happened to your song? Have you been beaten with rods? Have you had your feet stretched? And sometimes they not only stretch your feet, they bend you over and then they chain you to the boards. Have you been not just put in prison, that they were put in the middle of the prison? meaning a hole in the ground. These men had such a revelation of God that despite what was happening around them, despite what was happening to them and even in them physically, at midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And may this be our testimony that when darkness comes and it hurts the most, that's when we lift our hands the highest, giving him praise and honor, singing Sims, hymns. Paul was probably praying for the jailer. Paul was probably praying for those who abuse and pay attention. At midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And then watch this. And the prisoners had never heard a sound like this in prison before. They had heard filth and foul, foul and filth. They, they had heard men screaming torturous, you know, noises and yelling and anger and rage and pain and sound that had never been heard in this prison before. So all the prisoners were listening to them.
And you never know who's listening to you. You never know who's paying attention to little old you. Then in verse 6, now we get excited about verse 26 here. Oh, you know, God shook the ground. You missed midnight. Oh, God shook the ground. Everyone's prison was open. Everyone was set free. You missed midnight. Oh, God did a great miracle. You missed midnight. I said this last week. Some people want what I got. But unless you're willing to go through what I went through, unless you're willing to face my midnight, you hear what I'm saying? Unless you're willing to praise and pray through midnight, you're not ready for what's next. Midnight must come. Why? Because joy comes when in the morning. But midnight must come first. It's a cycle of life, cycle of life. I don't care how saved you are, how sanctified, how filled the Holy Ghost you are. It's a cycle. You either coming into trouble or coming out of trouble. It's a cycle. Sunrise, sunset. It's a cycle. And the prisoners were listening. And actually, God just set the backdrop for his miracle. Suddenly. Church, I don't know how long your personal suddenly is going to take. But oh, that was good. That was good. I don't know how long you're suddenly it's going to take. But when you pass the praise test, every problem in your life is there testing the genuineness of your faith. The authenticity of your praise. The devil's like, I saw you lifting hands. Let me see if you mean it. I saw you praising on Sunday. Let me see if you mean it. So when push came to shove, beaten in the inner cell, what happens? Paul and Silas prayed and sang hymns and psalms to God. You say, how can I sing in this strange land? You better sing. That's the only thing you got in this strange place is a song of the Lord in the midst of what you're facing and, and going through. Suddenly, 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 you want to get your, suddenly get your praise back. Begin to thank him in it. Not, not, it's easy to thank him when you're through it. But thank him in the middle of it. Thank him while you're still going through it. Lift your hands and give him praise. God, you are worthy. God, you are faithful. I don't care what they do. I know who you are. You are my God. You are faithful. You will never fail. I will trust you, God. All my days. Let him kill me, dear God. I'll enter into heaven with my hands lifted up. You hear what I'm saying? Let the disease kill. Lord, I'm going to step into glory full of joy, rejoicing in my salvation. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. Everybody wants the earthquake. Everybody wants the earthquake. Can't blame you for wanting the earthquake. I want the earthquake. But you got to get through midnight to get the shaking and the, the power of 
God so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Your praise not only has power to get you out of prison, it has the power to change the lives of everybody paying attention to you. So with pain in my heart, I will praise him. With tears in my eyes, I will praise him. Pain in my body, I will praise him. With everything, without anything, I will praise him. All alone, abandoned, I will praise him. Forsaken, I will praise him. People talking about me, I will praise him. Everybody love me, I will what? Praise him. Desperate, trapped, cramped, I will praise him. This is the commitment of my life. And this must be the commitment of your life. No matter what happens, he is worthy, 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 worthy of praise. And you got to make a decision. I don't care what it looks like. Lord, even when I don't understand, when it doesn't make sense, I will praise you. I will salute you and honor you, dear God. When your salvation gets real and you really realize what Jesus did for you, when you really realize what that cross meant, you can't help giving a praise no matter what happens. Husband crazy, wife crazy, you will lift up your hands and honor him. You say, Lord, fix my marriage. God says, fix your praise. You say, Lord, fix my money. Fix your praise. You say, 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 Lord, fix my job. Fix your praise. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is worthy, dear God. Worthy of praise. So when people love me, when people hate me, I will praise them. And this must become, if you want the results of these apostles, it wasn't just because they were apostles. You're going to have to learn to praise them no matter what. No matter what happens, what you feel, what it looks like, you are going to have to Make a covenant in your own mind. Lord, I will praise you. Hope you got something out of that today. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, give him a hallelujah. Give him some praise. You guys by stream, wherever you are, give him some praise. God, you're worthy. You are worthy, worthy, worthy of my praise. Worthy of my adoration. Worthy my honor, my salute, dear God. I love you, Father. I love you. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.